Welcome to another episode of The Corner Booth, the official podcast of RestaurantOwner.com and Restaurant Startup and Growth Magazine. Today, the restaurant industry is changing faster than ever. Learn from successful independent restaurant operators and other industry leaders as they share best practices that will help you engage your team, delight your guests, and grow your business. Here are your hosts, Barry Schuster and Chris Tripoli. Well, thank you for joining us on another episode of The Corner Booth. I'm Chris Tripoli. I'm Barry Schuster, editor of Restaurant Startup and Growth Magazine. And today we welcome as our guest, Lisa Eberhardt, her partner, Randy Late with Menu Analytics. Welcome to The Corner Booth. Thanks. Great. Glad to be here. So this is going to be a fun one, Barry. We get to talk about menu, one of my favorite things, but I think we're going to learn a lot about the actual information in menu, that it's a lot more than just food that tastes good. Randy and Lisa, would you mind giving us, give the listeners a little history of maybe how you guys got involved in hospitality, how this whole thing got started, what brought you to us? Okay. Well, I've been in the hospitality business for about 37 years, 36 of which was spent at North Carolina State University, where I worked as a student when I was there in the campus dining program and was fortunate enough to be given different opportunities to grow and advance and ended up becoming the director of hospitality services and did that for a number of years and had a good long career at NC State and then decided to do this as a post-retirement kind of activity. And I also work for NC State, but I worked at a lot of other jobs. I'm a registered dietitian. I've been working in hospitality and in clinical dietetics and outpatient wellness type positions. But I ended up becoming the director of nutrition and wellness for North Carolina State University. And we had 36 or 38 operations. Mm -hmm. So we had three fine dining, a bunch of quick service restaurants, some franchises, some our own concepts. Mm -hmm. Dining halls. Dining halls, catering, concessions, and I was charged with helping the students and the faculty and staff know exactly what was in the food. So we decided to become this completely transparent campus. And when we did, it really honed my nutrition analysis skills and how to analyze all sorts of different types of recipes and menus and make sure that people could understand what was in the food they were eating. While we were doing that, people kept reaching out to us from the restaurant industry saying, we really need to do this, but we don't know how. And some of them were our clients. We had some franchisees on campus that needed some help with it. And so we would help them a little bit. And pretty soon we started going around the country speaking on it, even at the National Restaurant Association show. Pretty soon we decided, well, this would be a cool thing to do if we didn't want to work at NC State anymore. And Randy had reached his pinnacle and won the silver plate for his work at NC State. And so it was a good time for us to start the business. The pandemic was not the best. (laughs) So we started and the the pandemic happened. We started about four years ago, just very part-time, four or five years ago. But we really started in earnest in December of 2019. So we had a really good first quarter until the pandemic. And then the restaurants that were working with us, you know, of course, struggled. But it's all good now. Yeah, but it's been, you know, we've been remarkably blessed through this as we went through kind of our own journey at NC State about learning about food transparency, being able to communicate to students what's in the food, 
what the ingredients are, what allergens are there, what's the nutritional content. As we develop those skills to do that, it started out being in response to a growing kind of obligation to take care of all students. Whereas if you're a certain kind of restaurant, you've got you know, your customer base, you may not feel obligated to be all things to all people. But at an institution of higher learning, you have to take care of all of the students that come. They didn't come just to eat. They came to learn. But through that, we learned a lot of valuable insights that we felt like would be really helpful to the restaurant industry. And so we started helping some of the people that we had come to know through the business and got off to a real start at the the first. And then things kind of diminished a little bit, but we continued to have opportunities. And even during the pandemic, we've been blessed to stay busy. And I feel like the restaurant industry is like you know, the bow that's being pulled back right now. And it's really going to move forward in exciting new ways. Well, certainly both of you, anyone who is involved in food service appreciates how important it is for on-site food service, particularly campuses and hospitals, for goodness sake, to have detailed analysis of what they're serving. You want people to have balanced meals. You want them to have healthy meals. And then, of course, with FDA regulations, then you now have the chains that have to at least post their caloric intakes on their menu and then have available pretty reasonable breakdown of, of, uh, of other nutritional information. And now we're talking independent operators. And even the FDA realized, hey, you know, this is kind of a big deal. We're going to keep this uh, at the level of the chain um, for a lot of reasons I'm sure you're going to discuss. And, and certainly, I'm not saying it's unimportant for the independents. They need to know uh, that uh, what allergens in, they need to know that that pesto has tree nuts in it. And, and that could be a real problem if somebody asks about it. But beyond that, um, how does this translate over to independent operator? Is, is there something afoot now uh, culturally? Is there something afoot now where independent operators are saying, listen, we're going to, we're interested in this. And the other thing I want you to kind of t- tell us about is, you know, what's the process? It, if I've got a, uh, if I got a chain with 30, 40, 50 units and I do an analysis of my, of my menu, I'm going to be able to replicate that through 40, 50 units. If I have one unit and that menu is changing all the time, then, um, you know, how, how do you stay on top of it? So I'm asking a lot of questions, but I'm really interested in, in, in going down that path with you for the independent operator. I think the reason that the smaller chains, the, just the smaller groups of restaurants, three, four, five restaurants mm-hmm. contact us at that stage is because they're really looking at, we need to replicate our recipes, be able to maybe franchise in the future. And our customers are asking us, if you go to any small um, restaurant, couple of restaurants, if you go to their uh, website, the frequently asked questions are what's in your food? You know, can you tell me, do you have anything vegan? And those types of things, restaurants have to depend on their um, employees to communicate that information. And it's really difficult. And so I think they come to us to to think about doing it. And they're always really surprised at how inexpensive it is. They have these ideas that's going to be super expensive and they're never going to be able to do it. And it's not very expensive. And um, and also it makes you a player. You know, if you have a couple of restaurants and you have that information, you're more like the big boys. And, and there's some real advantages. It was one of the things that was an unexpected lesson that I learned in doing it. 
you know, my background is really more about uh, business and management and data kind of things. I'm not a culinarian uh, by background. Uh, but one of the things that, that came as a pleasant surprise to me was as we took steps down the path of uh, nutritionally analyzing our recipes was that there's really good management data that's revealed through that process. Uh, we, we had a computerized food production system because we were doing like, it was like a $49 million business. And we had a centralized computer system with our inventory, our recipes and all those things. But we were really just kind of using it as a shopping list uh, to order from our mainline distributor. And through that, you know, there's can be some errors in the quantities of the, you know, the, it would generate and say, you need to order this much uh, spaghetti noodles. Uh, and so we were, always had some inventory fluctuations with that. But what we found was that while we could look at data about cost and perhaps come up with some rationalization of why that seemed like a pretty reasonable number, a dietitian can look at data from the nutrition of a recipe and say, that, that doesn't look right. And as we went through the process of, of verifying recipes with the weights and measures and ingredients, the recipes started to get really accurate and our purchasing became accurate and our costing that we would do on recipes became accurate and we could set pricing appropriately. And those things uh, really paid off for us in, in a bigger way than I expected. So from a management standpoint, you can manage cost at a finer level if the nutrition data has led you to really accurate recipe quantities and helps with your purchasing and those things. Um, but you can also manage your menus closely if you look at what the opportunities are within the menu without growing the menu bigger and bigger and bigger to serve a wider variety of people, you can say, oh, we need something kind of healthy. Well, you can look at the nutrition data for your existing recipes, and sometimes you find paths to making existing items a little bit healthier or allowing them to be customized, which creates an option for a healthier-minded consumer um, without having to add something new or extra onto the menu. So you just hit a couple of good points, uh, a couple of really good points. And I think some of the listeners may not have been expecting, uh, you know, when we're talking menu analytics, we're talking about a dietary background, we're talking about nutrition analysis. And so I just kind of want to underline that. What I'm hearing is that when you go into working with a smaller group of restaurants, the independents, and you help them by understanding the nutritional value of their items, for many of them, this is a walking through the recipes, so to speak, uh, a consistency of the portion, a better way of understanding um, um, the items for procurement. And so they're actually getting a lot of operational insight on ordering, item costing, and recipe updating for consistency purposes. Is that right? Definitely. And I think there's never been a restaurant, whether it's a small chain or just a few restaurants that we haven't helped them clean up some of their recipes and in help with their bottom line because they may be charging not enough because they're actually this recipe is actually producing far less than you think or or far more than you think and you're throwing a lot of stuff away or um, 
So I think it's been really helpful. And Randy was spot on when he said, sometimes they want just some healthy option and I can just look at what they already have and say, hmm, if you take you know, this item, don't fry this part, just grill it and put this, then you're, here's your healthy option. You don't have to buy any, add anything to your list of purchases or just make a few tweaks here or there, or we need something that doesn't have gluten. Well, let's just, I just tweak, tell them the tweaks they can make on this recipe or that recipe, maybe change your soy sauce to a gluten-free soy sauce. And here you are, you have three gluten-free options. So um, it's helpful, I think. And sometimes people lean on us pretty heavily for that. And sometimes they're like, we just want you to analyze the recipes. We don't, um, a lot of, some chains don't care about health at all. In fact, they feel like the more calories it has in it, the people will feel like they're getting more for their money. The more <laughs> indulgent it yeah. is. So, yeah. well, that's, well, that's true. That's true. There's still the popularity of what we might call, um, you know, sort of, uh, um, you know, uh, sort of anti-trend. There's always opportunity and counter-trend. Uh, even though we say that we are a healthier society, and I know there's a tremendous amount of facts that say that we are, we are trying to be a little bit more conscious of what we eat, how we exercise. But then again, there's been a tremendous increase in, say, specialty desserts and custom donut shops opening on every corner. So I, I hear what you're saying. Um, comfort food is still big. But uh, before we go too much further, I'd love it if let's spend some time on uh, the second part of Barry's question on walk the listeners through the process. If they had you come in, how does menu analytics work? What do you do first? How long does it take? What do they have to show you? The first step is usually um, we look at their menu and, and we have, we sign a non-disclosure. So we can't disclose anything about their menu or the recipes. And then um, they send us pretty much their menu and some of their recipes. So we get an idea of how complicated the recipes are because that really makes a difference on how much um, time it takes me to do it. And then um, after that, we give them a scope of work and we discuss the scope of work. Sometimes they say, well, we just want this area analyzed. Maybe we just want our kids menu analyzed or, or we just want um, this other section. And we're happy to do things in phases or just do parts of your menu. And then um, after that, they send, lots of times they do give us access to their, um, their food broker, whoever they're buying food from, like US Food or whoever. And we go in and look at their actual ingredients and put them into our database. And then we build the recipes within our database. And then I can tell when things are off at that point. So some recipes might say um, they have a marinade and you wouldn't want to add all the ingredients to the marinade. There's a certain um, percentage of marinade that's absorbed depending on what the item is. And they're going to pour a lot of that off. And so um, there's a lot of art and a science to it. And I do the analysis and then we give it to them in whatever format they want. They yeah. want it in a table if they want it at a, as a label. Yeah. So it's, you know, it, we build it. One of the things that's a little different about our approach to it is that we use a computer software, a really industry leading software to create the ingredients that the customer uses, uh, their particular brand of mayonnaise, their particular mustard that they use, and to create their exact ingredients with the nutrition information for those things. So if they give us access to their distributor data, we can go look up those items and get the exact nutrition data off the products that they're using. And then we build those recipes 
in the system using the weights and measures that they give us. And there's this discovery process that goes on through that, which is really kind of useful when you, you will often discover that people will be confused in their documenting of recipes between volume ounces and weight ounces and cleaning up some of those things can really uh, make a difference in, in the nutrition data. Um, and verifying that the amounts that they think that they're using generate the yields that they believe that their recipes should yield. And all that's revealed through the software as we analyze each recipe. You know, a lot of, some places have done lab analysis, which you take and you make a portion of it and you send it to a lab and they burn it basically in a bomb calorimeter and measure the energy it took to, to destroy it. And that gives you a total for everything that was in the box. Using this software that's broken down ingredient by ingredient, you can see the individual line by line contributors to the nutrition information. And so if there's a high sodium number, you can look at the data and see where that's coming from and see if well, we could change this product or maybe change the way we season and make improvements uh, along the way. Yeah. And it's the, the analysis through a lab is, is very, very expensive. It's, you know, eight or nine times what we charge. So some people think that's their only path, but that's not their only path. Yeah. We get just as accurate of analysis because we've actually compared. I would do an analysis and then we'd send it to a lab and they're very close. Yeah. So for some customers, they want the data to put on their menu boards or on their printed menus. And for others, they've reached out because they wanted to develop specific menu choices that met parameters. Yeah. Uh, like the restaurant we did up in DC was, uh, they were developing uh, keto diet friendly. They just wanted certain parameters like keto diets, also um, just healthier options. And, but they didn't want to revamp their whole menu. They just wanted to pull out some things and have me analyze those so that people that wanted to, no, they can order from this part of the menu. And like I said, children's menus are often something that parents want to know. And that's an easy thing to analyze. The other thing that smaller restaurants are doing is they're contacting us because they want to sell something retail. Like they want to sell something at, well, I don't know where the, the one I can think of right now is a yogurt, little yogurt shop in Chicago. And she wanted to go to a food hall and they wanted her to like take her frozen yogurt and sell it in little pints. Yeah. And she didn't, she's like, Oh my gosh, I'm going to have to get a label. How am I ever going to do this? And we, that's really inexpensive. We turned me around in a couple hours and she had her label and she was ecstatic about it. And um, that's a real simple thing. We did a cookie for a small couple of restaurants in um, Texas somewhere. They just wanted to sell this cookie and <laughs> they didn't want to, but there's you know requirements that if you sell it in a package, it's got to have certain labeling. And so we were able to do those things for yeah. them. Sometimes that extends um, the income for the restaurant because if they can sell a lot of their barbecue sauce or whatever they want to put in a package, that helps them with their bottom line. Yeah. Wow. You know, it's uh, my impression of the process involved white coats and goggles and rubber gloves. And you're telling me that that's just not necessary. And if I'm reading the FDA regulations, even if you were falling under menu and labeling, your process would still pass muster with the FDA if, if I'm reading it correctly. Oh, yes. Am I right? Oh, yes. 
it, the FDA is pretty loose, actually. They'll, they, um, no one's really policing how accurate things are, but, but the customers are. You know, wow. I know right away. I go to a certain barbecue place here in Cary <laughs> that has their, um, their okra analyzed. And it's like 1,100 calories from one serving, which is completely wrong. And I've even reached out and said, just let me redo your okra. <laughs> because it's completely wrong. Um, they haven't answered me. But um, I think that, you, so there's no one really pleasing it, but your customers definitely are. Yeah. And they, they want to see accurate. It's going to ruin your credibility if you put out stuff that looks ridiculous. Yeah. And, you know, we talked some about the veto vote that's in the car when people are saying, hey, where do you want to go out to eat? Where do you want to go? Oh, I don't know. Where do you want to go? If there's someone who feels like they can't eat in your restaurant because you don't have anything that meets their needs, then the whole car goes the turns right instead of left and goes somewhere else. And so being able to know what your menu can provide and to offer information that a consumer can get to the information and go, oh, yeah they have something I could eat there. Yeah. Look, I could do this. I could do that. And now someone's on board. Yeah. You know, you just brought up a really good thing about uh, people's decision on where to go and what to order when they get there. I mean, that's kind of the crux of, of every independence uh, restaurant operators issue is I want to get the customers in. I want them to be happy when they're here. Um, so what is your best recommendation to the small independent on the proper use of this information? Because should it be something that is part of their ongoing employee training? So all servers are well informed with how to describe the items accurately and how to answer healthy nutritional information. Or is this something that you feel is better to have as a separate printed info that can be brought to the table if someone uh, asks or third choices, should the dietary stuff just be part of the menu description? I don't know, but I think if you're gonna describe allergens, you need to be accurate. And so that's the last place you want your servers to say, yeah, I don't think there's any peanuts in that. Um, you, you'd want that to be very accurate. And so if you're gonna go down that road, um, I don't know is always a good answer when it comes to allergens. If you don't know, you don't know, and that's what you need to say. But if you do know, it helps a lot. You know, there are 32 million people with food allergies in the United States. That's 32 million families that are going to turn the other way if they don't know that they can trust that you know what's in your food. And that's a reason to mark the allergens in your food. But you have to have, you know, you have to have things in place, procedures and consistent product and other things if you're going to mark those allergens. But as far as healthier items, I think definitely you can pull out and analyze a few items on your menu so that people know, oh, this is vegan. It only has this many calories or this is the, the grilled option instead of the fried option is going to be better for me. Or do you have a, any, any gluten-free bun available for this burger? And those are real simple things that people can do and they can put those on their menu. Yeah. And, you know, we talk sometimes about, you know, being in, in the industry for a while, I can remember when we would do a large catering event and people would ask about a vegetarian option, a vegetarian plate. And a long time ago, if someone asked for a vegetarian plate, you left the piece of chicken off the plate and you gave them more rice and vegetables. And that was the extent of our offering towards vegetarians. 
And by the time, you know, right before I left NC State, we would do a big banquet. And we had developed really beautiful uh, vegetarian options that a lot of times we would have to overproduce those because when the wait staff was delivering those to the table at a plated event, people would say, oh, could I have that? And they would choose the vegetarian option because it was a beautiful dish. And I think the nutrition part is kind of on a similar path where once upon a time, it was, I need to have data for a really picky customer who is hyper-focused and we don't really know how to take care of them. But that's really morphed into a general sense of, I'd like to have information about the foods that I'm eating and I'd like to be able to make best choices for me. And for a smaller operator, not trying to make it so that every dish that you do has to be hyper-analyzed, but you can use nutrition data to improve your menu and kind of mainstreams a little bit and make you know, some tweaks and improvements that consumers do want that information and, and more and more expect it. Yeah, I think that with mobile ordering, the ex, you know, you don't have that face-to-face -face interaction. And so people are expecting a lot more description and information in that mobile ordering app. And so um, that's been hard for small restaurants. You know, like, we, what are we supposed to put on this mobile order? And then also optimize, making sure that you get rid of things that are important to your customers, but maybe have the best sellers, but also make sure that you don't lop off so much of your menu that your customers stop coming because they certain menu items met their needs. Mm -hmm. I was in the UK two years ago. Uh, veganism is mainstream. You can't go anywhere without seeing vegan options. And I think we're heading into that era. Is the rise of veganism increasing the demand for the kind of thing that you're doing? I mean, I always thought I know what veganism is, but it's 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 a pretty precise type of meal. I mean, could you could you is there something you can say about that? I think people enjoy, you know, um, there are some small chains like um, Healthy and Hale, I think Hardy and Hale, mm -hmm. whatever started in Raleigh um, is a vegan restaurant. And it, yeah. I think they're really growing very fast. I think that people want that option, you know, they, we used to call it flexitarian, that sometimes they're going to eat vegan and sometimes they're not. But they want to be able to if they want to. And they want, and they're very um, focused on making sure that you know what that is. And so honey is not considered vegan. And some restaurateurs will think, I'm just going to do this honey balsamic on this beautiful salad with this grilled portobello mushroom. Well, they just wrecked it because they don't want the honey balsamic. And then it tells the the person that's trying to eat vegan, that these guys don't understand what vegan is. Mm -hmm. And um, so I think that we can be helpful in that area too, if they want to just try to have a couple of things, because you got that vegan veto option too. If if your teenage daughter's in the back and says, I can't eat there, they don't have anything but salad for me. You don't want to take her out to dinner and all she gets is a salad. Mm -hmm. She needs to have something else or he or whatever. Yeah, developing a good choice on the menu. You're based in North Carolina, and it sounds like since a lot of this is able to work with restaurants, no matter where. Uh, that's true. Uh, we have been doing work uh, for restaurants all across the country. Um, sometimes we do the occasional Zoom call, uh, but a lot of it's uh, emailing information back and forth. 
getting access to uh, the recipe data, uh, going through their ingredients and confirming your, I see three different mayonnaises in your order guide. Which one are you really using these days? Is there consistency across, uh, you know, the units uh, yeah. and, and the products that you use? So we're able to do that without really having to go on site. Uh, we, if we're missing data, we may say, hey, go in the cooler and take a picture of the label and uh, uh, text it to us. And, you know, then we'll know exactly which product they're using and sometimes can get the nutrition information from that product label as well, particularly for some uh, obscure uh, kind of ingredients. Especially some, you know, in an Asian restaurant, some ingredient that they may just go to the um, Asian grocery store and buy, we just ask them to take a picture of the label. And it, sometimes we have to do some sleuthing on the internet to find out more about it. But overall, it's um, done remotely. Most of our customers, I don't know which states are most in, but we have a lot in Texas, Alabama, Utah, Chicago, Utah, Miami, we did the other day. Miami. Yeah. We do very few in Raleigh. We have a couple uh, that are based in Raleigh, but um, most of ours are remote. Yeah, there's a large buffet operation that uh, we do the work for that's based out of Raleigh. Okay. Yeah. I think I know you're talking about. <laughs> um, so is there any any situations where you really need to be on site in terms of, uh, you know, the way they're preparing the meals, um, concerns about cross-contamination? I don't know. I'm just throwing out terms. But are there times when you need to be on site and see what's going on in the kitchen? I think if they, we were training, we could do training too about allergies and being careful with um, service with allergies yeah. that we would need to be on site for that probably. But originally we thought we would have to go on site a lot more, but then the pandemic hit and there, mm -hmm. that wasn't an option anymore. And people use that time to do some recipe development and other things. And so um, it, the process just all worked out. And I've, I've been really pleased, you know, putting on my operator hat. You know, uh, I've been pleased to see that most of the people we work with have pretty good recipe documentation and they pretty uh, solidly know the ingredients that they're using and who they're buying from. Uh, the, the less accurate that is, the more we have to lean in and really get into, OK, I see that you're doing this and you're you're you don't have this ingredient in the recipe, but the instructions say you're blending it in at this step. So is the, are the directions wrong or is your ingredient list wrong? And going through those processes, uh, you know, we can do from here. We haven't really had to go on site uh, to, to weigh and measure. You know, we could if someone needed us to, because uh, sometimes in the fog of war that is getting through the day in the food service industry, uh, documenting recipes is really challenging for people. We found that we had uh, oh, 27 chefs on our team at NC State, and there were varying degrees of accuracy and like, okay, we're going to develop a new recipe for this concept that we're doing. And for some people, they could get it really accurate, and other people kind of struggled with that. And and you have to understand that and go through iterations of, okay, let's ask some questions about the data that we have. And as we work together on it, the data gets more accurate and more useful and 
and everything kind of goes from that. You know, the, the menu is the heart of the restaurant operation mm -hmm. and everything, everything is driven from the menu, from the equipment that you're using to the people that you have and, and the talent level. And as that menu is built of recipes that become really accurate and have a really good plan behind them, a lot of those hard to do things become a little easier uh, to execute. And, and that's a real benefit from the operator side. And the food becomes more consistent. Well, you know, since people are uh, more interested, obviously, in transparency, nutritional information, it's led to some of the most major trends that independents are doing now, and that's trying to procure product locally. Uh, it also means that they're menuing more seasonally. So that would tell somebody who's got one or two stores who's trying to do his menu with updates at least three or four times a year, it might make him question how, how can he stay current on nutritional value uh, with seasonal menuing? How difficult would it be? Um, so uh, what's your answer there? Well, seasonality is a lot of fresh and fresh stays consistent you know, as far as calories go. So um, it's easier to do that actually than to do a menu full of processed foods and other things. And the, the cost of it is pretty low if they wanted to analyze it, but that, that operator, I would suggest maybe you have a couple of things on your menu that are analyzed or a couple of your specials, you know, during this season will be analyzed. We'll just take a look at the menu and say, what's going to give you the best numbers here. I, what kind of person are you trying to reach? And, um, and then we'll analyze those things. But there's lots of flexibility with that. Mm -hmm. But the fresh and local and sustainable, that should be on your menu anyway. You want to call that out because people want that. And if you can call out the nutrition of that at the same time, it's helpful. As you've lifted the curtain on a lot of these uh, menus and looked into recipes, any uh, cautionary tales or aha moments uh, you might want to share uh, uh, that could uh, be of some educational value to our listeners here? We find a lot of mistakes. Um, you know, like Randy said, things that are in the ingredient list that aren't listed in the recipe anywhere in the directions or, or vice versa. So if you just have a regular line cook that's preparing it, sometimes that item goes in and sometimes it doesn't go in and they don't know where it goes in because I have to know exactly how you're cooking it each step of the way. So we help them tighten those recipes up and we've had some, some interesting things happen. But most of the time people are pretty glad you know they're trying to get things better and they're trying to um, make their processes work and their their costing work and other things so they're pretty happy that we do it they're like oh yay thanks for noticing that because people do have good recipes sometimes they just aren't written very well yeah and we haven't really had a situation where someone saw the nutrition data for their menu and felt like it was going to put them out of business. You know, we just have, in fact, sometimes it's the opposite. When our very first client was a, uh, 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 on the grow donut uh, shop operation. And for them, they were afraid of what the number was going to be. And the number came in quite a bit lower than they expected. And all of a sudden donut, you know, they make really good donuts too. Uh, donut with a couple of toppings, were something that you could have. Whereas a lot of people make the assumption that, wow, I can't afford calorically to ever have a donut. That's not really the case. Mm -hmm. And I think your, your customer that 
go to uh, a fast food location, um, kind of knows what they're, you know, what the options are on the menu at certain places. Sometimes having more information available uh, lets you make better decisions. There was one restaurant I used to go to, they had this wonderful uh, Santa Fe chicken pasta dish. And then when they started putting calories on their menu, I didn't stop ordering the dish, but I did start uh, cutting myself off partway through and I take the other part home and uh, enjoy it for uh, lunch the next day. Yeah. Back to the donut place, it had no impact on, only positive impact. People wanted to know, but it didn't stop them from eating it. The, The donut chain has grown phenomenally since we analyzed their menu. And um, so it didn't impact negatively. Yeah. And I think that from a dietitian's point of view, I'm always thinking people aren't going to eat this because it's not donuts, but certain items because it has too many calories. But as I was telling Chris earlier that some, some restaurants like it to have a lot of calories because they think that shows value. So, oh, it's 1,300 calories. And I'm thinking that's going to be a lot. And they're like, oh, yay. <laughs> so from a dietitian point of view, I'm usually wrong about how people are going to perceive it. And McDonald's, it has had no impact on what they sold, like having the calories up there. People yeah. are like, oh. I think maybe in the beverage part. You think it I, does? Yeah, I think uh, that's an area where okay. you've seen a, a lot of change. In fact, I remember we opened a restaurant and I don't know, a couple of months into it, we were reviewing sales data and we're like, the, the wait staff is not ringing up the beverages correctly because there's hardly any soft drinks being sold. And, you know, I went over and spent some time looking and it's water, 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 water on all the tables. And, you know, that was a change that just sort of subtly happened. It wasn't because we put calories on the menu. It was, it's a trend, it, it's a trend that's going on. And, you know, there's a, I guess a little bit of a chicken and an egg thing is that you have to be aware of the trends and not fall behind. You know, you want to stay current and appropriate with your market of who your customer is and to make sure that you stay aligned with what they're hoping to get from you. Well, a term that you uh, used very early on in this discussion was transparency. And it's really kind of resonated with me more and more. You know, I guess there's some folks who would look at this process as, as a dietetics police, where you're really just saying, hey, you need to know what you're getting into. You can order that beautiful blooming onion and enjoy it, but now you know what you're getting into after you finish it. Yeah, and you're going to share that blooming onion with others, and you can make an informed decision about yeah. mine, all mine, or I'll share, you know, with you. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious the impact and they've tried to do some studies on the impact of having the calories on the menu. And I just don't think it's been that impactful. Uh, people make choices. People seem to be doing now all ethnicity seems to be so mainstream. Uh, we're doing an awful lot of different uh, ethnic uh, foods on a much more regular basis. Middle Eastern food, African food uh, is gaining in popularity uh, as well as, you know, say the more, what you might consider common ethnic choices like Mexican and Italian. So are some of these trends um, uh, introducing you to more difficult ingredients? Are some ethnic menus harder for you to work with than others? Yes, (laughs) but 
we one of the first places that I did um, when I was still at NC State was a Lebanese restaurant at here in the Triangle. And um, there's a great healthy halo with Mediterranean foods and people like how healthy they are. The calories are very diminished. They're looking more at, um, you know, all the, you know, the olive oil and the olives and the more fruits and vegetables in it and the colors and, but they still wanted their food analyzed. So I think that um, it's a little harder for us, especially Asian cuisines that they, they procure from markets that the whole uh, label is in Chinese or in some other language that we don't speak. But um, other than that. Yeah. From a global standpoint, there's more data available about everything. Uh, And that's one of the things that one of the points I wanted to, to talk about a little today is that in today's world of Amazon, where you can go online and find this huge plethora of, of items and you can see what color they are, what shape they are, what the dimensions are, what the weight is, what ingredients might be in there. Uh, if it's food and nutrition facts label, all of that data is more commonplace now throughout the marketplace. Food service distributors have that data in their systems. Although I'll say that we find a number of errors in that data. So operators that rely on that data, keep your eyes open. Sometimes there are mistakes in that. Um, It requires uh, the fact that there are people who want that data has resulted in the data being more plentiful. And that's kind of one of the driving forces, I think, but behind you want to have data available on the foods that you serve because people generally have that kind of information available on a lot of the products they consume today. Yeah. The expectation of the customer is driving this much more than that FDA labeling act. It's the customer expectation. Yeah. Talking to independent operators as Chris and I do frequently, um, and this is possibly driven by the pandemic, but uh, we're getting a sense that operators are going to smaller menus, not as many items. Um, are you seeing this as well in your experiences? Are the menus shrinking a bit? Um, and from your perspective, uh, what are the advantages? Uh, there's some obvious ones to me, you have fewer items to have to analyze. Yeah. A, a smaller menu is less expensive to analyze, but also um, they they can optimize their menu, you know, take off the dogs and keep the stars mm-hmm. and make sure that, I think for a while was we want to be everything to everyone, you know, the five page menu that people had. And in this COVID time where they wanted to do mobile ordering and they didn't have as much staff and all these other reasons why they wanted to to streamline their menu. We, we talk about optimizing your menu instead of streamlining it, streamlining it. And I think optimizing is a good word. Like let's look for the best possible menu that meets the most people's needs. And mm-hmm. that it's, it is a good time to have your, your menu analyzed because if you do it now and then you just add to the menu as you go, it's, it's very much a, a cost-effective way to do it. Yeah. Cross utilization is uh, oh, yeah. helpful in that, in that regard as well. Yeah, when they're looking at their menu, they definitely want to think what, how can we shrink what we buy so that we can use it in a lot of different items. Yes. And so you have fewer dollars tied up in inventory that 
isn't moving an awful lot. Uh, if you have an optimized menu that you're selling, the most of the main things that are going to drive top end revenue with the least amount of labor and inventory uh, SKUs being tied up, um, there's a lot of benefit to an operator doing that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, Talk about your company in terms of uh, you've got an audience, hopefully, of a lot of operators who you've piqued their interest, possibly. And um, what's the process? What what uh, uh, other than what you've just gone over, you know, reaching you, what what will you discuss with them? Um, what other kind of things? Well, what is the range of services you provide besides the anal the analytics of the nutrition? Uh, do you get involved in in some other things? Uh, you know, you've talked about some of the business aspects, menu engineering. Um, you know, what do you what do you have to offer uh, in the full range of services so our readers or our listeners can know? Um, you know, why they may want to contact you. Okay, of course, our, our primary uh, interest is. Uh, in nutrition analysis for restaurant menus. Allergen marking is a big part of what we do. Um, marking ingredients at the ingredient level with the allergens that they contain so that when we use those ingredients in a recipe, all of that rolls up together and we can give you a contained statement for a recipe. Uh, that's been a big part of what we do. We also do some consulting. Uh, We've consulted with restaurants who have an interest in optimizing their menu, uh, taking a, a look at it with a fresh set of eyes, seeing if there are opportunities to create more widely acceptable menu items by looking at some of the ingredients in there. I know there was once uh, we changed a barbecue sauce to a gluten-free barbecue sauce and made something like 46 additional recipes or menu options uh, gluten friendly or, or made without gluten uh, containing ingredients. Uh, we've developed some uh, training guides. Uh, we recently completed work for the Food Allergy Resource and Education Network about uh, uh, best practices and marking allergens and uh, serving customers with uh, special diets. Yeah. So we're available to help, you know, because of our operator experience, I think we kind of look at things more so as a being a resource to operators than being the nutrition and healthy police kind of thing. Uh, we both love food and, uh, and enjoy uh, being a part of the industry. Yeah. I think that they, the way they can get a hold of us is go to our website, menuanalytics.com and just get a hold of us there um, or through LinkedIn or any other way that, People usually reach out. Yeah, we're on Facebook, we're on Facebook. LinkedIn, and Randy at menuanalytics.com, Lisa at menuanalytics.com. We're a really small company, so we it's us. We um <laughs> we do everything ourselves. So you're a lot of other nutrition analysis companies might have a whole bunch of people that do analysis and a lot of them aren't registered dietitians, but I but I can tell you that there's nobody with the operational experience and the total experience that we have that will handhold you through the whole process and make it pretty simple. I, we've never had a customer that didn't feel like we helped them get it done in a fast manner. You asked a while ago how long it takes. It depends on how busy we are, but a week or two to get it done. Okay. So pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah pretty quickly. We're, uh, we're kind of lined up for June and into July on the schedule right now. Mm -hmm. But once we get to someone, uh, we can usually knock out the work in uh, 
easily within two weeks. It depends wow. on the menu too. If it's something small, like the donut shop we were talking about, they're doing a little bit of a revamp. So, and it's like seven, eight, 10 items. I can do that, you know, in a day and just get it back to them. Um, especially if I have a lot of their ingredients already in my database. Mm -hmm. So hopefully um, some of the folks in the triangle will uh, get the message too and, uh, and take advantage of that. But uh, sounds like you have no shortage of business. Yeah. I think given the state of the, uh, the restaurant industry, we have been really blessed to have opportunities during the past year. Mm -hmm. But I really think that the whole industry is, uh, is prepared to have a resurgence but it won't be exactly as it was before. It will be bent in new directions by staffing and, and how that works, uh, mobile ordering and takeout and ghost kitchens and finding ways to drive revenue uh, in, in new ways. Yeah, I think some people learned a lot during this pandemic and that gave us the opportunity some restaurants took a little bit of a step back and looked at their menus very carefully and did some development. Others were just like in the fog of war the whole time. And they're sure. just coming up for a breath and saying, yeah, well, now we need to get this done. Um, and people are in different places. And of course we lost some restaurants too, um, yeah. to the pandemic. Um, but I think on a whole, people want to go out to eat. They want yes. to have the, the, they want to go back to normal. And so I think that's going to drive a real resurgence. Yeah. yeah, it seems to be a bit, bit of pent up demand, at least in, in our area. And yeah. I'm sure you go out to dinner and, and see on a Wednesday night, a packed house. So yeah, we're just starting to go out and, and be comfortable again. Um, and I've been traveling and it's been ridiculous to try to get into a restaurant. Randy and I were doing some consulting down in Charleston mm -hmm. and we did it during the pandemic and it was never a problem. We just got right. takeout. But once we were both fully vaccinated, we went, went out to eat in Charleston. We couldn't even get into a restaurant. I mean, we could not even get into one. It's yeah. crazy. So, well, just, that's, that's very positive for all of us, I suppose. Yeah. I think there's, there's going to be a lot of interest, but you know, Along with that, people want to feel good about the experience that they have and the foods that they consume. And, you know, if we can help operators use that information to provide a better guest experience and to have a better operator experience as well in terms of uh, uh, more accurate control over the menu and optimizing uh, what the, the choices that they're producing, uh, all the better. Yeah. Well, this has been enlightening. Um, you know, I thought I had a good sense of how this works and you sort of opened my eyes to uh, it's, it's, a, it's a much bigger thing and a much different thing. I think a lot of people really understand it. It really is uh, very integral to the operational effectiveness of the, of the business and the marketing in, in ways that I'm not sure everybody really understands. So, so thank you for that. Oh, absolutely. Thank you very, very much for uh, joining us today. Um, and it's nice to uh, see some faces from my uh, where I live. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so uh, hopefully I'll be able to, uh, our paths will cross at some point in the triangle. But uh, but best of luck with everything. And, and uh, again, thanks very much for sharing this information and educating us on this process. Oh, thank you. Thanks for having us. We've enjoyed it. It was our pleasure. Thanks. Take care. Thank you for joining us on The Corner Booth. We'll be back next Tuesday with more inspiration, insights, and industry best practices to help you engage your team, delight your guests, and grow your business. <laughs>